Hi everybody, it's James here and welcome to this week's episode of This Property Life podcast. Today I had the pleasure of interviewing Michael Lawson. Now Michael is an expat, he's currently living in Dubai uh, from Scotland and he has a full-time job in Dubai but is still heavily buying properties in a very small concentrated area in Scotland where he's from. Michael's story is very inspiring and the, the, the pace and speed at which he's been able to scale his business is phenomenal. So stay tuned for lots of tips and tricks from Michael about how he's been able to do that and how he manages his business remotely. I'm sure you're going to love this week's episode. Hello everyone, it's James here today and I am joined by Michael Lawson of Lawson Lettings on this week's episode of This Property Life podcast. Michael, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, it's great to be here. It's, uh, it's nice to uh, be on the podcast. Uh, long time listener. Oh, it's, it's fantastic. Michael, Michael actually got in touch with us to say I've been a long time listener and I'd, I'd really like to feature on there. I'm sort of an investor myself. So um, he's reached out to us to, to come and be featured on the podcast. So thank you for uh, getting in touch, Michael. And I've heard your story. I kind of know a bit about you. And I think our listeners are going to be really excited to hear about what you've done, how you've done it, um, and you know the way in which you've done it as well. Because your story into property is slightly different to, to kind of a lot of other people's in the fact that you don't even live in the country that you invest in. Yeah, so I'm based in Dubai. I've been out here for eight years now. Um, I work for uh, an education business out here in their their, um, sales and business development team. Um, And yeah, I've been building up my business remotely over the past, well, really over the past 15 years, but really seriously over the past sort of three to four years when I really started thinking, treating it like a business as opposed to, you know, some little pension pot or, you know, a little kind of side hustle. Um, and yeah, so and, and since those, you know, we start really start treating like a business. We've we've grown exponentially, um, which has been you know it's been such an interesting journey and a, and a fun thing to be part of. And we've built up quite a significant portfolio now. I'm really focused on two small areas in the east of Scotland. It's uh, specific postcodes. It's KY16 and DD6, which for those not in the know. Um, it ain't some great um, spot to be investing in, but it's where I'm from. It's what I know. So it's home. Um, it's kind of. Have you got sort of family back there still? Then yeah. So mum and dad are there. So it's it's a bit of a family business. Mum works full time for the business. She's employed by the business. Uh, dad kind of uh, helps out with handyman stuff. I've got this great uncle who's you know in his late seventies now, which. He, he works pretty much every day for the business as well. He works like an absolute Trojan. Um, he's, a, he's a former laborer uh, and he just does a, a great job. So we've got, it's a bit of a family sort of affair um, and that's how we've got it set up. And I think that's, you know, honestly, if I'm perfectly candid, there's no way I could have done this without my family support as well. My family are, are from this background. Uh, Mum and dad had property back before this whole buy-to-let game was a thing. Uh, they didn't even know it was a buy-to-let thing. They were buying houses for you know pennies back in the day around the kind of uh, northeast Fife area. Uh, was that almost like before buy-to-let mortgages were around, and they were just kind of saving income and, and pouring in <laughs> property? Dad was using things like car loans to buy properties back yeah. in the day. He says like you know he was just hustling to try and get whatever he could to buy them, and he um, 
he explains it to me that he he had this farmer that he'd been he'd been the milkman for back in the day, and he said to him, "Oh, you should get into property." And my dad was like, well, "All right, let's let's give it a shot." He was a yeah. fireman, so he had plenty of time on his hands. And my mom had a bit of a passion. We we grew up watching all these um, you know these Sarah Beanie shows on TV and stuff, and we were all super into it. And uh, they started buying buy let houses. I mean, literally flats they were buying for like. 30, 40 grand are now worth 80, 90 grand now. Um, and they've been renting them ever since. So I kind of grew up in this world where they were doing BRR before BRR was even a thing. It's funny, I, I, I explain to my mum nowadays that this is like a big thing. BRR, it's a big yeah, thing. It's taught like, by loads of people. And, you know, she's uh, just like, what are you talking about? It, it, it was always a thing. Like, she's like, you just take your money out. It's the obvious thing to do, right? It's like the, the most, of course you take your money out and move on to the next one. Why would you leave it in? So were they buying kind of at a time when it was a buyer's market and they were able to buy the properties below market value or were they kind of waiting for the prices to increase before they were refinancing? No, they were just, I mean, they were just buying them on like a, a two, uh, they were just buying them on like uh, whatever they could to kind of get the money together, yeah. um, whether it be loans or, you know, um, using uh, like mortgages, things like that. And then they would wait like a year or two, then refinance them out. Yeah. And, and do it that way or um, even wait six months, refinance them out. Um, but I kind of grew up in this world where my parents were always renting and we always had in one small town, uh, this little village called Tapor, which is, it, you, you, there's no real reason to, to, to know Tapor other than the fact it's a lovely little um, sort of village uh, with a nice harbour and a really old golf course. That, that's about it. It's about, but the good thing about it is it's about five miles from Dundee and 10 miles from St Andrews. So you're right in the middle of two really top university towns. So you've kind of got the overflow from that. Um, and also big hospitals nearby and stuff as well. So actually it's kind of that perfect area that's, it feels rural, but it's right in the middle of kind of lots of job opportunities. What's kind of the population of it? Because sometimes we get students who are looking for an area to invest in. And sometimes we're kind of like, that feels too small an area. But if you're investing in a small area, then obviously maybe, you know, maybe it can work. It's a village. I mean, it's, it's literally a village. Literally, you're talking like 5,000 people. It's, yeah. there's, it's tiny. There's, there's nothing of note um, that to kind of, they, they would draw an investor there if you don't know. But I know because I'm from there. Yeah. I know all little areas. And the thing about it as well, it's funny, I've seen other investors come in and buy in parts of the town. And I'm looking at it going, oh, good luck with that. Because I know that's a really rough area. But you wouldn't know unless you're from there. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've just invested in what I know and, and where I know. Uh, and, you know, we we are quite big now. So we, we try to kind of treat Treat, treat it like a business. We're growing it like a business. We try to be a really responsible landlord as well. Um, the regulations are such now, particularly in Scotland, you need to be running it as a really responsible business that's supporting your tenants, uh, that's you know building quality homes for, for good people. Um, let me give an example. A big Over the past sort of 18 months, a huge thing we've been doing is investing in EPCs. So EPC, we all know EPC upgrades are coming down the pipe. In Scotland, they'll come a lot faster in England because the Greens are really powerful in Scotland. Everything does come quicker in Scotland, doesn't it, as well? Yeah, yeah. And you know what? It, it, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of policies, I Scottish government policies, I disagree with. But frankly, the EPC policy is something I feel quite strongly about. I'm mm. quite pro-environment. And I actually really believe that we should, you should be creating decent homes for decent people. That, that's the way I feel about it. And for me, if it's is it spending a couple of grand to put down some, some loft insulation, is it two or three grand for a new boiler? Do it. It's, it's like, worth why? doing. It's, you're investing in your own asset long term, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, as well. And I think you've got a responsibility as a landlord as well. You've got a responsibility to provide quality homes. 
you know, people are paying top dollar. My property is not cheap. You can get cheaper houses on my on any street I'm, that I've got properties on. You could find something cheaper. But the good thing of why people come to Lost and Lettings is because they know, firstly, we won't take the piss out of you. We, we won't, you know, we won't be difficult with you. We won't be challenging with you. We won't boot you out after, after a certain period. Um, you know, if there's a repair, it's going to get done same day. Um, you know, we've got loads of tradesmen that work with us because we're, we're the biggest in the game in that area. Um, you know, it's, everything's going to be well taken care of. So that's why we're kind of, we're charging a premium on that, but it's a premium for service, right? We have no, um, no, no, no issues renting our properties at all because people know what they are. They know their qualities. And so did you start investing, Michael, before you moved from Scotland to Dubai or did you only yeah. really start investing heavily yourself once you were in Dubai? So while I lived in London before Dubai and basically when I moved down, down to London, I had about I had a couple of properties uh, and I hadn't, I hadn't really given them much conscious thought, to be honest with you. All I knew is mum and dad said, buy a house. If you've got a bit of money, just buy a house. So I was just... Every time I got a 25% deposit, I mean, houses are quite cheap in Scotland. You can get, you know, a, a two bit back then you were getting two bed flats for 70 grand, you know, 60 grand. So I was just, I bought a couple. And, um, and then when I moved to London, I just kept on doing it. I was in London for about six years uh, working down there. And, and I didn't really imagine living in London. I didn't really imagine building a life there. I was always going to go back to Scotland or somewhere else. So what I started doing is just every time I got a bit of money together, every time I got a bonus from my job, I work in sales, so it's all bonus driven, right? So you, often you get big chunks of money and throughout the year, I would just buy another house, buy another house. And after about six years in London, I had about 10 houses in total, and then I moved out to Dubai. And then the first few years in Dubai, about maybe the first five years, four years in Dubai, I didn't buy much. It's very hard for expats to get mortgages, mm -hmm. particularly in Scotland. It's not by any means simple or straightforward. There's a limited number of lenders. And it's more expensive as well, which is another thing to be aware well, of. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, because there's such a limited number of lenders, lenders in the market, it is more expensive. Mm -hmm. um, but even, if, even with the lenders who are in the market for expats, you'll pay maybe a 0.25% premium. But there's only like two or three lenders for expats um, if you're investing in Scotland, particularly in the kind of stock we're investing in. Um, so you've really got to be careful um, about, you know, who, who you're working with and stuff as well. So I, I, all I was doing when I first moved to, to, to Dubai was just paying down the properties. Um, and then about three, four years ago, I said, you know what, I, I need to be doing something different. I can't be, uh, you know, working like, like, I, like I am until, you know, I'm in my 60s. So I started thinking, like, what, what's this... Could I invest in the property business? It does all right for me. What if I really focused on it? The cash flow is pretty good on it. Um, you know, it's, I wouldn't call it passive income because it's far from passive income. You know, my mom's full-time in the business and she's really full-time in the business. She's a full-time employee and she works full-time. We almost refer to your property income as residual income. It will come in every single month, but it isn't a do it once and 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 it'll, you know, you, you're always going to have things to do in property and people that kind of say it's truly... There are certain truly passive income strategies, like maybe a social housing strategy um, where it's kind of, you know, by the government. But, you know, if you've got buy to lets, if you've got HMOs, certainly service accommodation, that is not passive, is it? Yeah, I mean, whoever's selling that dream is just, <laughs> it's just honestly, they come and spend, whoever spends that, selling that dream, they're more than welcome to spend a week with my mum and see what her week looks like. <laughs> the amount of phone calls she gets, yeah. the amount of like, you know, we've got a plumber out most, if not most days, probably two or three times a week at different mm -hmm. jobs. Uh, we've got joiners out every two or three times a month. I mean, it's, it's, 
it's busy. and that's on existing stock. That's not even on stock that you're buying now to renovate. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 existing stock as well. I mean, to be fair, we keep our properties at a really high standard. It's way higher than most people would ever would ever bother with. Um, if you go on our Facebook page, just Lost Lettings, uh, you'll see the kind of quality stuff we put out, and we keep it that way because um, we think you know quality homes for quality people. That's our firm mm. belief, you know. Um, so. Uh, yeah, so it's, 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 a, it's a bit of a challenging sort of thing uh, to sort of keep them at that level all the time. But yeah, so I, I forgot where we're at. Uh, yeah, so, so basically when I moved to Dubai, um, I, for the first five years, I just didn't really bother much with it. I'm just paying them down. Then about four years ago, I said, you know what, I'm going to go for this. I'm just going to go all in on this. So I went away and all those houses I had sitting there, I just refinanced them all. And I hauled, pulled the money out and I just started buying. And we bought heavy. Um, the first year we bought 18 houses. Um, second year we bought, I think, 16, and then the third year we bought 15. Um, last year we bought, I think, six or seven in the end. We bought a couple of shops and a garage as well. Um, how, how do you find the stock when you're investing in such a small village, when yeah. you're living however many thousand miles away? What's your kind of sourcing plan? How, how are you finding these deals, Michael? Because people are struggling to find deals in an area that they're spending time in. So for you, that's not even there. What's your kind of that marketing plan? Yeah. So, so we're quite known. We, we've, we've been, you know, we've been having, we've had houses there for 20 odd years now. So people know that we're always looking to buy stuff if stuff's coming up. Um, we did a lot of Facebook ads and they didn't bring in much, but people just come to us. A lot of it's like, Oh, you know, my mum's going to a home and we just want to get rid of it. And you know, the, 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 the doesn't know the, the care home's going to take the money anyway. So what can you give us for it? You know what I mean. We just want a quick sale, or, or we've got this really rundown property. We're a bit embarrassed to put it on the market, um, or you know, my husband and wife and I are breaking up, and we don't want the world to know about it because you just go out of its word of mouth referrals. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what we do. We also offer up pretty much everything on the market. Um, so because and they, literally like stuff will come in the market, and we'll be like, oh yeah, you know, we're expecting your call today. How are you getting on? Yeah, yeah, they're not going to take that offer. Don't be silly. Um, give us a call in two weeks and we'll see yeah. where we're at with it. And um, I just do that, to be honest with you. That's that's really what we've done with it. I bought a couple of small portfolios, but like four or five houses here and there um, from kind of retiring investors. That's worked quite well. The one thing I'm doing right now is um, we have this thing in Scotland called the, the Scottish Landlord Register, um, which is a, a great thing. Um, I'm, I'm a big believer in this sort of thing. I think we should have a, a land register. I think we should have a tenant register as well. I think it should be both sides of the coin. The land register is great because the good thing is I can find out the name and address of any, any landlord in Scotland. So what I did was um, I, uh, I went on to the Scottish Landlord, Landlord Registry website and I basically typed in the postcodes. Now, what I've been trying to do is consolidate areas. So I want to buy, as, as crazy as it sounds, every house on one street. Or, yeah. And we've got like, we own cul-de-sacs in areas. We own um, apartment buildings uh, because we bought that many in those, those one area. Um, so what I'm doing is I search the postcodes of the existing properties I have. And then I just basically go like, See what's one there. by one, it takes it takes ages to be honest with you. You know, you spend I just spend an hour on it every couple of couple of days, and I just take the address, and the name, and then I just write this nice letter. Oh, I know you're a landlord. Um, you know, are you tired of being a landlord? I am, so you must be. Um, you know, are you interested in selling? And then the good thing is, you go and write me if you can see what they paid for it. And then you just offer. You can do your maths, right? You know that the guy who's paid way over for it's not going to sell to you, but the woman who inherited it from our. our you know, or her, whatever she might sell. To. Or if, about, if it's not even on right move, you know, they bought it so far, so long ago that they yeah. probably make money's. Exactly, exactly. And I think right now, I mean, I genuinely believe that 
we have the opportunity of a century coming up in the next 12 months. Uh, I think it's going to go, particularly in Scotland, um, because we've got this mad Scott SNP uh, Green Alliance that have created rent caps in Scotland. And it's the perfect storm for investors. We're it's seeing already portfolios popping up yeah. everywhere in Scotland. Um, I spoke to a guy the other week. Um, he is... He's underwater already. Basically, he had these he had these properties for he had about fifty odd properties um, for the past. Um, 12, he bought them all in two thousand and six. He had them all on trackers since two thousand and six. He just kept them on trackers because why would you change it? All in whether it were the financial crisis or not, it didn't really matter. He was just the trackers were so low. He was just renting them and living and rather than paying them down, he was living off the cash flow. And now what's happened? So those trackers have gone up to like eight nine percent. And he's absolutely underwater. They can't afford the mortgage payments. The bank's taken back the, the portfolio. So suddenly, there's all these portfolios going to come up onto the market. Um, similarly, you know, if you if you go on things like you know the Scottish Property Podcast or this, there's a spin that's a Facebook page um, for landlords in Scotland. Every second post is, oh, I've been a great landlord all my days. I never put my rent up, and you know, woe is me. Um, and uh, now the mortgage is this, and you know, I'm, I'm losing hundred pound a month, and I've got to pay tax on this money. It's mad, isn't it? Well, frankly, you should be paying attention to legislation. You should have knew what was coming. I need. I saw this coming for a year ago. I put all my rents up twelve months ago. 18 months ago, before, before the legislation even came in. Everyone saw it coming. Everyone knew what was coming. People just didn't act. And those who didn't act are now going to be in trouble in the next 12 to 18 months. And it's your chance to go in and, frankly, like rescue them, sort them out, especially if you're a cash buyer. We've been buying cash right now um, so because the rates are so high. So what we've been doing is buying cash with the properties. And the idea is to try and bring down our overall loan to value within the portfolio and make it a bit more sustainable. So as well, when, when the rates change in two or three years' time, you can go and try and get that um, more mainstream lending from your big kind of high street banks, as opposed to relying heavily on the challenger banks. But the rates are always going to be higher because they're, they're, they're taking their money from the secondary market. So, And something else that's a little bit unique about you, Michael, is that you are still full-time employed. So you're doing this alongside a full-time job. Yeah, I mean, I love my job. I really like what I do. Um, I went to university for five years to have the qualifications to get the kind of job I'm in. Um, I get to travel all over the world and meet interesting people. I just, I don't know why I'd want to quit that to go and do refurbs and stuff like that. I mean, I would rather, plus I don't really know much about houses. I don't know much about property. Um, I'd rather go and hire in expert staff that can do that and then use my, you know, my funds to pay for it. Um, plus, I like living in Dubai as well. Um, I like the quality of life here. Um, I like the kind of the freedom it gives as well. You mean so, you don't miss the Scottish sun? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the thing about Dubai is it's six months of heaven and six months of hell. You know, it's 49 degrees outside today. It's absolutely miserable. You wouldn't want to be in Dubai right now. So I, I try to kind of come back for two or three weeks to, to Scotland every summer. Um, but yeah, I mean... I, I don't really see myself moving home. I've got all these dreams of, you know, oh, go back to Scotland and buy some big hotel and open a big hotel and all this big boutique hotel and stuff. But the reality is, that, reality of it is, is I've got a really good quality of life. You know, I'm just, I'm just um, married three months ago. I've got a baby on the way. Congratulations. So, thank you. Thank you. So for me, I don't really want to, to make such big changes like that right now. Um, for me, I, I think I can do what I'm doing from here. Um, I probably need to build out my business a bit more. I probably need to build a more uh, more systems and stuff within the business in the UK. 
to to sort of to make sort of, uh, to to grow the business more significantly. And I guess the upside of having secondary income, having having that kind of full time job, the income that the portfolio brings in, you don't really need to use. So you can be using that to reinvest. You can be using that to pay down debt and that's allowing the business to grow because you're not kind of taking cash flow from it, I presume. Yeah, so so I pay myself a salary every month, um, but that actually, if I don't physically take the money, I just put it back into the director's loan account and it just grows the director's loan account of the business. Um, so if one day I want to move back to the UK, for example, which you, know, you never know how life turns out, mm-hmm. then I would be able to sort of draw down that money at that point. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't take money out of the business. I never have taken money out of the business. Um, I kind of don't really see the point in taking money out of the business. Um, I've got a good job. Um, I live within my means. I'm not living some big lavish lifestyle, you know, that I need to sort of support that. So, yeah, that's that's the sort of the main benefit. And in terms of, so you're, um, you're not physically going to view these properties, I presume, that you're buying. If you're buying 16 a year and you're living in Dubai all the time, what's the kind of the, the, the purchase process for you when you're not, there because i'm sure we've got some listeners who are overseas thinking i'd love to get into property but i'm not there myself so how do you do it michael yeah i mean i mean sometimes i'll send uh, i'll send my mom or my dad or one of the builders round if it's if it's pretty pretty run down but to be honest with you if the numbers work the numbers work i mean i i can look at a we're buying the same house over and over and over again i mean we're buying like you know in, in scotland we have like streets and streets of like four beds cottage flats and that's generally what we buy. We buy two-bed cottage flats. You know what they are? Like block of four. And yeah. you know what I mean? We, we have streets and streets of them all over Scotland. And I buy them because they're pretty well built, pretty well maintained by the council. And uh, they're good quality. And they rent really well. So kind of what people want. They're big room sizes, stuff like that. So I buy them. And frankly, once you've been in one, you've been in them all. They all look the same. The layouts are the same. The stuff's the same. I mean, you the, know how much the, the cost to put it right is probably going to be the same. Exactly. Well, if, if it's right, the kitchen is done, the bathroom is done, what's going to cost that? It's going to cost that. You know, you're thinking, oh, well, you're going to be two and a half for the kitchen, you know, maybe two for the bathroom. You know what I mean? Paint and decorate, that's another 1500 Do you know what I mean? You, you, you do your maths. If the numbers work, the numbers work. If they don't work, don't buy it. Um, that's kind of the way we've done it. I mean, out of the, the, the properties we bought in the last few years, I've viewed probably half. I've never viewed, I've never viewed most of them. Someone, someone has viewed probably half of them. Most of them I've never even been in. Um, I mean, I've got. It's funny because um, my mum was on holiday for about three weeks, and I was back home in Scotland, kind of like helping out and being being present. And the builders go, "Oh, do, do you know where the fuse box is?" And I'm thinking, "Man, I don't even know where the keys are. Never mind <laughs> the fuse box." Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things that I, I, I try to kind of be quite hands off. I try not to be in the business too much. That's mm. why I employ staff. You know, it may be my mother, but uh, she's employed by the business. Yeah. So, um, I, I treat her like I would treat any staff members. Um, so that's kind of the way we run it. Um, it's, it's funny, I, I, I presented at a few events lately. People ask questions about refurbs and stuff. I just have no idea. I, I literally got no idea. If you want to know the best tax strategy for, for a property business, I'm your man. You want to know the best accounting strategy or the best, you know, the best legal options, things like that. I can tell you all about that in detail. Um, but I don't know much about like the ha- on the tools side of property. And I kind of don't want to know much about it. Uh, that's why I hire people. And that's why we work with really good contractors as well. And you said your dad is kind of like a handyman. So I guess he's got some knowledge of that as well. So you kind of know you're not being mugged off. No one's going to... Kind yeah, of I mean, not really. I mean, he's, he's he's a handyman, but he's... Uh, I don't know. He's he's good at 
putting up blinds and stuff like that <laughs> and like you know mastic in baths and stuff like that he's, he's on it he knows what he's doing but we we've we've got a bunch of tradesmen we've worked with for quite a long time now and we're really good with our tradesmen we always pay them straight away they do the invoice today they get paid today um, we never take the piss out of people we work with them really closely we're decent with them um and they kind of go the extra mile for us and i think that makes a difference and they won't they don't take the piss because you know the thing is if they know if they take the piss they ain't getting a job next time and do you know what we had a lot of this during covid lads been like oh yeah the prices have gone this and the prices have gone that and i'm thinking no bother i'll find someone else and then they're all coming creeping out of the woodwork now saying oh you know there's all that work i was doing during covid has dried up because no one's got any money anymore well we've moved on do you know what i mean because you know we, we reward loyalty and the reality is you know, we've got 70 odd houses we'll have work in 10 years time for the same lads you know, it, it'll be the, the it'll be the kind of the crop that it'll be the kind of the, the base of their business will be doing our our bathroom renovations or doing Reap, our yes. oil installations and yeah they'll they'll, they'll they'll always have work with us always they'll be doing our EICRs and our gas safeties and helping with EPC upgrades and stuff they'll always have work with us because um, reality is we can give them work a couple of days a week every week yeah because there's always constantly upgrades that need to be done and. You know, mm. the, the stuff that you bought probably six, seven, eight years ago is sort of needing a bit of a refresh. So, you know, they're kind of in doing those. And, mm. and, and we're not shy to invest as well. Um, I mean, I'll give you an example. Right now, we're doing, we're, so we're doing all these EPC refurbs. Um, I, I basically, about 18 months ago, sat there and looked at all my APCs and I employed this EPC consultant to come in. And we worked out basically a fixed price. He'd come in and do EPC for me and give me a report exactly what needed done in the order of which I should do it to get up an APCC. And so basically what we've been doing is at the time, I think about 6% of our properties were below EPCC. And, and by 2025 in Scotland, they all had to be EPCC uh, for new tenancies. By 2028, I think it is, for continuing tenancies. And they won't budge on that. This is like a, this is like the fundamental base of the Green Party. They're, they're not going to change their, their mind on this. So people that are just putting their head in the sand, they need to really get their finger out and get moving on this. We've been doing it for 18 months now. So... But yeah, but so now I think we're at 23% of our properties still are below an EPCC. They're all sitting at Ds. Um, so we're just one by one working our way through that sort of process to get them all up. So, so for example, this week we're, we're putting a whole new heating system in a house to get it from a to get it from a D to a C because we have to. To be frankly, the, the boiler was pretty old anyway, but it was working fine. But we want to provide quality homes to our tenants. We want them to be warm. We want them to be decent. Um, because that's what they deserve. The rents are expensive nowadays. It ain't exactly. cheap for them. And it, and if you're if you're providing them with a, our mentality as well, if you're providing somebody with a good quality product, there's a much higher chance they're going to look after it and treat it like a quality product. If you give someone a bit of a rundown, tatty house, they're never going to look after it because it was tatty when they got it, and it's going to be tatty when they leave it. So, you know, I think we're kind of of the same mindset there. Yeah, I mean. I don't want to be known as the landlord that's renting out crappy old properties mm. uh, that are not up to spec, that are that are dodgy. You know, I, I'm from this area. Do you know what I mean? I go to the local. When I'm home, I go to the local pub, the local tennis course, the local golf course, the lo you know, on the, the local shops and stuff. I'm known in this area. I don't want to be known as that landlord. Um, I want people to say, you know what, Mike's houses ain't cheap, but they're all they're all right. They're all perfect. They all look great. So if you want a decent home, go to him. So when and and everything's in house for you, obviously Lawson Lettings. You you kind of buy them, you rent them out yourself. So you kind of yeah. the, the team manage them for you. Um, when it comes to the vetting of the tenants, 
are there is there sometimes any times when you know people have come in that you know and that are kind of looking to rent and you've kind of still got to credit check somebody that you know and what what does that look like when it's if, we if credit check everyone so we use yeah. vouch i don't know if you guys if you guys use vouch um i pay a subscription fee to it every month it's like 35 quid uh, a month to have subscription fee to it and i can do up to five tenancies a month on it mm-hmm. um we we just we do everyone Everyone goes through Vouch. And you should do it through Vouch because it pulls all the pertinent data, things like right to rent. Um, it pulls things like um, references, guarantor references. Um, and so, yeah, it pulls everything there. And then what we do is all of our legal work is done by our lawyers. So, you know, in Scotland, it's a, it's a tenancy, right? You can print it off the internet, off the government website. Yeah. But frankly, if I was to go and say, mum, I need you to go and print this off a government website, all this nonsense, she would just lose her mind. So... She, so I just use the lawyers. We, they pay, we pay 100 quid a pop for a lease. Um, I think it's money well spent. I also think there's more gravitas as a tenant when you receive it from a lawyer, a lease. Do you know what I mean? Then some random loss in lengths. Who knows what loss in lengths is? But everyone knows the, the major legal firm in the area. So I think there's more gravitas. We do it that way. We require all tenants to have a guarantor now. We will not even show a property to have someone without a guarantor. Um, I don't care if you've got dogs, if you're on DSS, if you're a single parent. I, I, I you can't anymore, can you? That's 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 you know now. And so it should be. I absolutely yeah. don't think you should be discriminating against people. Um, like everyone should be in the same boat. I, I think this whole new policy is a bit silly, though, because particularly in Scotland, because the um, the local housing allowances have been frozen for the past three years. So actually, even if a single parent comes along and wants a three bed house, the max rent she can get is like eight hundred and thirty quid a month. Well, frankly, all our three beds are a thousand a month now. So. Mm-hmm. Unless they've got some little job on the side, uh, then they, they ain't rent the house. Not going to be able to find that. But there's a difference between being able to financially afford something and being able to kind of qualify for it. Yeah, I mean, we, we will have anyone. The one stipulation we have is they must have a homeowner guarantor yeah. or we'll take like six months rent up front and two months deposit. And that is the only, and we do that for students in St Andrews usually. But that's the only kind of way around it. And uh, honestly, we're really strict on it. We've had we've, we've had probably two tenants default this year. Um, one left, luckily. Um, the other one is uh, is still three months behind the rent. And um, we're getting it direct from the from um, Department of Working Pensions now. But yeah, we don't want to be in these situations. We are really decent with people. We don't take the piss. We firmly just, we just wouldn't do it to people. We expect the same from them. So for us, it's about getting good quality tenants in from the very outset. And strategy-wise, so most of what you do is buy-to-let, isn't it, Michael? Yeah, all buy-to-let, single-lets. Um, to be honest with you, we, we, we kind of like, I've got a kind of very, in my mind, really clear now what I want to buy. I want to buy, up, I want to buy in streets I already have lots of properties in um, to consolidate those streets. Because what we found is when you, you're creating your own comparables, when you have lots and lots of streets of houses, you're creating your own rent comparables, you're creating your own um, uh, sale price comparables. You also can do things like, we're really strict on things like gardens. Um, you know, there's this one cul-de-sac, for example. It was famous because it was always full of cars up on jacks and, you know, old vans dumped in people's gardens and stuff. We, we've bought most of that street now. There's a couple we don't own, um, but they're pretty decent people as well. Um, but we are really strict on it. We always manage to lobby the council to come in and put, more, put additional parking. Things raised the prices on that street. It became not a desirable location, but a much better location. And the price went up by about 10% because of it. So we're really particular on that. We also just, in terms of price point, we're looking to get much better value property these days. I think over the past few years, it was so hard to get deals. We would buy anything. I mean, I'll give you an example. I've got a, 
I've got a, a huge um, four-bedroom house with incredible views over the river that's worth about half a million quid that's rented out. Um, we got a really good deal on it, so we bought it. Frankly, I don't know what I bought it for. Looking back now, it was a really stupid thing to buy. It's a cracking house. Maybe I'd live in it one day, but... It doesn't seem to that model of those little kind of two yeah. up, two downs that you are... Especially when, especially when we're talking about apes and interest rates. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not it's not realistic. We've got big old stone-built houses that are, you know, EPCFs, and I cannot get them above a D, even if I spend a small fortune on them. They're going to have to go. They're, they're, they don't sit the model anymore. We probably we bought them because they were a really good deal. Probably shouldn't have bothered. So we're trying to be a bit more particular about what we buy now. But, yeah, we only do single lets. We, we have one exception. We have a, an SA in St. Andrews. Um, it's actually nine months of the year as a student let, and we have we always pick a we always pick foreigners. We all pick pick American or Korean or Chinese students who basically, and we always pick undergrads who basically go back to their home country and they know it. We we tell them, look, we're going to put you on a, on a, a regular lease like you get in Scotland. There's only one kind of uh, tenancy agreement in Scotland, but we expect you to move out on this day. The great thing is you're going to pay no rent over the summer, yeah, and um, and also we're going to pay for your internet for you for the year. And they're chuffed to bits because they want to go home anyway. They don't want to go hang about in Sam's. Sam's is a village, a town, sorry. Uh, but it's really small. There's nothing going on. Um, so they want to great golf courses. It's a really <laughs> golf place to be. But most of our students, they just want to go home and enjoy, you know, be with their families over the summer. So then we then we Airbnb it over the summer. We've got a license for, for the Airbnb up in Scotland now and that place now. And it goes like a fair. We make five grand a month for three months. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's you know the students are paying six hundred quid a month for the rest of the year, so it's a great investment, a great a great earner, um, but a lot of work. Um, do you think you'd ever go back and do more of those, or do you have you just not got the time and the, the kind of the flexibility in your own schedule to be doing more of those? Because they are more work. Apparently, arse, to be honest with you. I mean, honestly, people give you stupid reviews for nothing as well. A guy gave me a review yesterday, he gave me four stars because he said that. Um, what did he say? The quality of the the shower gel that I gave wasn't up to the spec you'd expect. Feels like saying, mate, you paid £150 and you and your three mates stayed in it for the night in the middle of St Andrews. You paid hundred you paid £37.50 a night. You're winding me up. Yeah. The gel wasn't up to spec. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know what? You can't please everyone. Um the good thing and is it's a service business, service accommodation, isn't it? It is you've got customers rather than uh, tenants. So, you know. And it's that kind of old adage, the, the customer's always right. So even if they feel that the shower gel wasn't good enough, it's kind of like, well, I need to I need to sort of just wear that on the chin because their opinion's right. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, Instant Andrews, I really couldn't care. I could literally rent that house out 10 times over. It's so, so busy. Our, our house is really nice. I mean, I would stay in it. I'm pretty happy with it. Um, so, yeah, if, if they don't think <laughs> you just take these things to the chin, like you say, what do you do? But yeah, I mean, I, I think SE is a really good model for somewhere like St Andrews or East Nook, things like that. Um, I would say the winds are against you in Scotland. Um, we had, we've had lots of kind of um, legal changes lately in Scotland or in SA. Uh, I would say, probably, if you're not doing that already, I probably would think twice about doing it. Um, although we went through licensing with Five Council and actually, for all the, the noise and hurrah, it was very straightforward. And they were very nice and very decent. They didn't visit the property. We sent them links to our Airbnb and our bookings.com. They could see the reviews. They could see the pictures. Um, they loved the fact that we actually were renting it to students nine months of the year. And then in the summertime, we were doing it. They were like, that's how it models should be. It should be fulfilling gaps. Yeah. Well, they, they know that, you know, there's massive demand in that area. And 
they can't fulfill the demand and they'll lose so much money from sort of tourism if or lack of tourism if, if they don't provide kind of airbnbs and homes to people so they kind of they, they're probably going to want to push the licenses through to make sure that you know that the the income stays there yeah i think it's a balanced i think it's a real balanced approach i, th- I think the thing you got i think you should the thing you never should forget about investing in scotland from a, a kind of legislation standpoint is that we are a country run by socialists uh, the Green Party is the most socialist party in the whole of Europe. If, if you look, you know, if you look at any scale, they, they are. If you look at the SNP, you know, the people that are all your kind of traditional sort, these Tartan Tories in the SNP, they've all gone now. It's run by, it's a party run by activists. And I think therein lies the rub. There, This is why we have so many challenges with housing in Scotland. This is why, you know, being a landlord is vilified in Scotland. And I, I don't see that changing. I think we'll have... I think we will lose a lot of seats in the next general election, but that's not really going to make much difference to the Scottish um, sort of, uh, market. So I think that it provides challenges, but also provides opportunities as well. Um, if you're like a small-time landlord in Scotland, get out, sell your house. Did you? I saw the stat the other day that blew my mind. I'd, I'd never saw it before. I had no idea. 98% of landlords in Scotland, this is this is based on the Scottish land reg, land, landlord registry, have one property. They must be really feeling the pinch, those people. A following a following one percent have two properties. And a following one percent have more than two properties. Hmm. That's wild. And then I saw some other stat that's something like off those numbers who own one property. Um, something like sixty percent of them are actually low-rate taxpayers, so it's it's kind of just a bit mad about who actually owns properties in Scotland. Who's actually your, what does your landlord look like? I think it must be a terrifying place right now to be a letting agent in in these areas because these people are just going to sell. If I was them, I would sell. If anyone asked me, sure, what should I do? Sell it, get rid of it. You don't need this hassle. You don't need this problem. Um, just get rid of it. The legislation is all against you. It's all set up. I mean, even. Bigger landlords like me, I'm, I'm, I'm the biggest landlord in Fife. If we, we did a freedom of information request, and we're the, we're the biggest landlord in Fife um, by quite some way. Um, but, you know, even us, we're thinking, geez, this is a pretty terrifying environment to be operating in. You know, we're, we're just risk managing it. It's, it's You've got challenging. to be on, on the, you know, your finger's got to be on every single possible pulse to make sure that you're staying ahead of the rules, staying ahead of the legislation, making sure that you're kind of staying ahead of the trend as well with what other people are doing. But you know the sad thing is, the people that are really are really feeling the problem is the tenants themselves. Mm. Um, you know, I'm 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 pretty you know ashamed to say, but our rents have gone up. I mean, we've had 17 changeovers so far this year, and every time I I used to always dread a long term tenant saying, "Oh, I'm, I'm buying my house, I'm moving out, or I'm we're moving to an area, or you know, I've got a new job, I'm having to go somewhere else." But now I'm delighted. When someone tells me the hand of their notice, it's like the best thing ever she because I know I can put the rents up. And frankly, I've got to cover myself because the, the, I can't put the rents up on my other projects by more than 3% yeah. because of the Scottish government legislation. So, you know, our rents have gone up by an average of the 17 changeovers we've had this year. I, just, I did this the mass of the day, 26% increase on those 17 properties. I mean, for us, it's it's great revenue-wise, but you know, sooner or later we're going to come off our fixed rates and go into variable rates, mm-hmm. and there's not much to mortgage on to, to remortgage onto right now. So we've got to cover ourselves. You know, this is a long-term game we're in. You know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. But the sad thing is, it's the law, the law of unintended consequences. The government have created all of these rules and all of this regulation because they think they're helping, protecting people. It wins votes, right? It sounds good in a soundbite, 
the reality on the ground is the knock on they, don't, they haven't thought necessarily about the knock-on effect and it's interesting because when you when you when you look at the kind of like they'll say you look at the government they'll say oh but landlord registration's going up there's more landlords than ever yeah it's because people are not unregistering you know everything with property takes two or three years to really see the effects of it um so i, I think that you know, like I said earlier, I think right now there's a massive buying opportunity for um, people in, in Scotland. I think it's a buoyant market. Um, you know, you see it from the sourcers, you see it from the big companies that sell portfolios, things like that. There's so much going on right now in Scotland. And it's just this perfect storm for these small time landlords. What's next for you then, Michael? Obviously, keep buying more, keep doing more of what you're doing. Is there any any other kind of maybe business ideas in the pipeline with regards to property? Yeah, I mean, this year we've been we've been trying to do a few things. So basically, we've been buying cash, and we're in such a situation because we've got quite a big um, cash flow every month that we can try and buy a new property cash maybe every three three months, something like that. We just buy another one cash if they're cheap enough, you know. So. We're trying to buy buy out any landlord that's leaving in our area, trying to buy them up. Um, we're trying to buy um, portfolios. So we've, we've got, uh, we're trying to ha- keep a bunch of unencumbered properties so we can go and use bridging loans to buy up big portfolios, like hoover them up when they come. So we're trying to identify portfolios in our area right now, which is a bit more challenging. I think we have to look a bit more further out with our, our existing area, but buying that, buying some like small commercial as well. Um, we've been buying up some, we bought up a couple of retail shops. We bought a, a tattoo parlor a few years ago. We bought a butcher shop just this year. We bought a small garage this year as well. Um, just tenanted, tenanted commercial properties that are pretty cheap and they've got good cash flow. Yeah. I mean, um, that that's kind of been our, our goal, just to kind of increase the cash flow in the business. You know, just worrying that, you know, we will have stuff coming off fixed rates in the next few years. And, you know, it's I've got stuff rolling off fixed rates that we're paying. You know, expats always pay more. So we were paying four point five percent on them. We're going to pay seven point seven now. So it's, it's, it's a big, big change. It's a big change. But also, just whenever we can, trying to you know sort of renovate the houses we've got and get better rents for them as well. So that's that's part of the plan. Kind of improve improve the quality of stock, buy more, and sort of be buying from individual landlords. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, over the past six months, I've been doing a bit of soul searching. Uh, you know, I, I kind of was, for a while, I was thinking, why am I even bothering buying any more properties? Why don't I just pay down what I've got? I mean, we make good money. Um, if I pay down some some mortgage, we'll make even better money. Um, you know, we've, we've bought quality stock in quality areas. We've not bought crap. So it's going to go up capital-wise. Not massively, but, it, but you will stack capital growth. But then... You get bored, right? So you're thinking, well, I want to be doing something. And then you see these guys doing these huge portfolio purchases in Scotland or huge HMOs in Scotland, and it's exciting, right? You're thinking, geez, I want to be part of that. So I started doing all sorts of stuff. I went away and I, I, I did this CMO course. I thought that could be a thing for me. And then I realized that was actually quite a lot of work. Um, then I went away and I started looking at, like, um, I was going to renovate. I was going to change pubs into houses. I made an offer on a pub. Luckily, it fell through. Thank God. Um, because I was going to to close the village pub, and I thought, I want to realise my name would mud if I do that. <laughs> yeah, it might might not be some uh, some unhappy punters if you do that. Well, the problem is the poor landlord's not making any money. He averages seventy pound a night. That's his that's his rev that's his revenue. So he's 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 just desperate to sell it. Um, but, but no one's going to want to be taking it on if it's producing that low in income. You know what? He's, it's it's that plus it's cost a fortune to run the place. Mm. He was he was doing food, but he couldn't afford the gas bill. It was uh, it was just ridiculous. So, 
Yeah, so uh, I, to be honest with you, I've gone full circle after all of this, and I'm just like, you know what? Keep doing what I was doing. What, you know, you know what I mean? Two bed, ex-local authority flats, ex-local authority houses, um, a couple of areas we're focusing on, consolidating streets. Yeah, back to where we are, uh, full circle, um, mm. which is a bit unexciting. But yeah. But it, you know, you know, it works, and it's kind of like if that cookie cutter is cutting out good deals for you, just keep doing it, keep doing it. Yeah, the one, the one thing, um, yeah. So, so just that really, um, and then I'm also thinking about I, I don't own a house for myself in Scotland, um, so I'm thinking about buying a house for myself in Scotland, buying something cheap and renovating it, and you know, maybe I'll do Airbnb when I'm not there. Then I'll, you know, can whatever. But I, I, I don't. You are back home. Yeah, I don't, I don't own one, so yeah. And then, yeah, I'd love to buy a house here in Dubai, but um, we're, the houses, the prices have gone insane here in Dubai. I mean, it's, it's wild. Far more volatile than the UK prices, aren't they? To give you an idea, so I've been, uh, they have really, they have, uh, contrary to what most people would probably think, uh, Dubai has incredibly strict regulations around tenancies. Um, you have to be given a year's notice to move out of property. Um, and then they create, they create this incredible secondary market. So basically, my landlord's now selling his property. There's a guy moving in. The guy moving in has to give me a year's notice before I can move out the property. Um, he's just today offered me £22,000 to leave the property. So it's just sort of like paying. Basically like, basically like nine months rent to leave the property, yeah. which is mad. But then when you look elsewhere, rent prices have gone up 80%. So it's it's insane. So you, You're better off sticking, sticking tight and... Well, that's the question, right? It's the big question. You're going to have to move anyway. So, yeah. So, you know, we think we've got it quite bad in the UK, but I think this is a global phenomenon right now. I think we're just in this really weird post-COVID environment where there's a lot of been a lot of movement for a while, there's a lot of money in the markets. We're not feeling that pinch yet. And, and adapting to change. For sure, for sure. And uh, But I, I think the, the problem we have in the UK is that the, the government's answer to change is just to restrict everything and make it more challenging. And that's, that does not create inward investment. That does not, it's not a policy that's, that's sustainable long-term. And I don't know how many listeners we do have over in Dubai, but you told me about your meetup that you're setting up as well. Yeah. So we've been doing it for about a year now, actually. So yeah. it's, it's the first Wednesday of every month. Um, if you can just, if anyone can just drop me a, a Facebook or an Instagram message and I'll, I'll give you all the details, I'll let you know when it's happening. But yeah, we just meet up first Wednesday every month. It's super informal. There's no sales. There's no chat. It's just literally like having a few beers and talking about property. And it's quite inspiring. We've actually got some amazing people. A lot of the big, a lot of the big faces in the UK, UK property are actually based in Dubai, um, which is interesting. A lot of the kind of the big boys are actually here these days um so we've got people coming along to these these you know, we've got one guy comes along to our our group he's got like 800 houses um so you know you meet these people and talk to them about what they're doing it's incredible the kind of the the feedback they have and it's really interesting so yeah if any listeners are based out there then you know that's a nice little network networking opportunity for you with with michael so if people do want to get in touch with you michael how can they go about doing that yeah, just loss and lettings. So we're on um, Instagram. We're not very active on Instagram. We're on. Uh, we're really active on Facebook. Check out our Facebook. Just at loss and lettings uh, on Facebook. We're on Threads now. Um, so yeah, it's, it's we're, we're giving it a shot. But yeah. we're really big on Facebook. We have a lot of community engagement. Um, I just I'll just temper that because uh, uh, we're not very like. I think a lot of investors go on Facebook and they're they'll. And we'll spend their time explaining the BRR strategy and talking about like motivation and stuff like that. 
That is not what our Facebook's all about. Our Facebook's like a local community Facebook page. We'll have things like, oh, you know, Mrs. Smith had a bake sale at the weekend and it made this much money for the local football team and stuff. You know what I mean? And Or like, oh, did anyone see we had uh, this ship came into port the other day? It was really cool. Did you see it? It's a big sail ship. So it's not a traditional news as much as community news because we have about 2,000 followers, but they're quality followers for us. They're all in our community. So when we advertise properties, we seldomly put things on open rent and stuff like that. We just stick it on our Facebook page and someone takes it. So that's a nice way of keeping costs down as well, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. We, we, we've kind of got our own. We, we spent time building it up. You know, we've done it over time. It's, it's been a, a prolonged sort of thing. Mm. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Michael. Thank you for your time. And, um, you know, if I'm ever, well, next time I'm out in Dubai, I'll, I'll hit you up and hopefully join your meetup. Yeah, absolutely. You're more. Anyone's more than welcome to join. Cheers. Perfect. Thank you, Michael. Bye bye. Thank you. Well, there we go. Uh, a hugely informative and inspiring episode. Um, many thanks to Michael for taking time out of his busy schedule to fit us in. It's fantastic to hear, you know, what Michael's been able to do in such a short space of time. Um, and I'm sure that will kind of have you fired up and wanting to to emulate some of his success yourself. Um, If you are wanting to scale and grow a portfolio, uh, just like Michael's done, then we can help you with that. If you want to jump over to Property Wealth System Community on Facebook to hear how we can help you if you are just starting out on your investment journey or if you've already got a few investments and want to learn to scale, we can help you with that. So jump over to our community page to learn how we'd be able to assist you with that. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and I will be speaking to you in the near future, I'm sure. Goodbye from me.